Hey, welcome to Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting. For the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics, we will touch on all three today in a little bit of a dramatic podcast. Sometimes we're just giving updates, but there's some major momentum swings going on right now. The Oregon Ducks have suffered three decommitments to their football recruiting class in the past month. Are they slumping at the wrong time? It's not just on the field with a bad loss to Utah, but also some of the recruiting results have people scratching their heads. The Oregon State Beavers are winning and winning on the recruiting trail. Two commitments this week. They are not done adding commitments. In fact, they might be adding multiple commitments in the next couple of weeks based on a huge visitor list from last week that we went over and it went very, very well for the Beavers. And then there's this in Oregon high school athletics, and it it ties into a bit of personal news for me. Uh, Coin six with the CW, the OSAA, and Odyssey, Odyssey owns 1080 The Fan, are all partnering together to air the 6A football state semifinals and finals on TV. The state semifinals kick off at noon on Friday. Obviously, the finals will be the following week. And I've been hired to be the TV color commentary guy, Ryan Buckley, who folks from 1080 will know uh, pretty well at this point. Ryan Buckley is going to be the play-by-play man. And AJ McCord of Coin6 and also 1080 will be the sideline reporter. We're going to be bringing you the action and not just breaking down the games, but also talking about the games and analyzing the games at halftime and giving a little bit of a pregame show. I don't know exactly how long we will have. In fact, we're still figuring all of that out. But I do know we will have some preview content. I've certainly been doing a ton of research and talking to coaches and getting prepared. And this is a project that is very near and dear to my heart. I I was a ball boy in the early 90s for a state title game because I was the ball boy for a couple of years for the Oregon City High School football program when I was in grade school. They made a couple of deep runs into the playoffs. They made it to the state championship game and lost to Roseburg. I was a ball boy then. I have covered Oregon High School athletics for a long time, and, and I remember watching the state title games on TV for various stretches throughout my childhood and into my adulthood, and it kind of just went away. And it was something I really hoped would come back, never necessarily thinking that I would have much of a part of it. And obviously, there are people far, far above my pay grade who actually made this work, who actually are the ones who kind of turned the dials to get things going to put this on TV. But I am really fortunate and really blessed to get to be the color commentary guy for both semifinal games and the finals. Uh, It is, I consider it an absolute honor. I cannot wait to talk about these prospects, shed some light on our local athletes and and get some of these athletes a little bit more exposure. Obviously, to get to the final four, these teams have been noteworthy throughout the year and have been covered by their local papers, by Oregon Live. We've seen their updates on various channels when they break down the Friday night action, but to give folks at home a live look at Central Catholic, Jesuit, 
Wes Lynn and Tualatin will be a huge honor. I cannot wait. So please tune in again. That's Friday. The first semifinal game starts Friday at noon. The second game is Friday at 5 p.m. And then the finals will be the next week. In in this podcast, I will break down the action, what we saw from the semifinals. Of course, that will be next week's podcast. Give a little bit of preview for the finals. Uh, and hopefully you can uh, DM me, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Andrew Nemec. You can email me and a Nemec at Oregonian.com and let me know how I did because I've never done TV color commentary before. I've done it a bunch for radio. For folks who listen to me on 1080, I've done color commentary for two seasons with Oregon High School Football's Game of the Week that was on 1080 The Fan for a couple years, but uh, transitioning to TV and, and really genuinely, genuinely looking forward to it. So I hope you guys tune in. Switching gears to more traditional topics on this show, the Oregon State Beavers are on fire on the recruiting trail. They get Braylon Oliver, the Louisville safety transfer earlier in the week, and then add Ryan Cooper on Wednesday. Ryan Cooper is the number five junior college corner in the country. His recruitment hasn't quite caught up to what we saw on film from him this year. I believe he has offers from like Stephen F. Austin and Incarnate Word. There's Incarnate Word again. If you've listened to me for a long time, I've made a few jokes about in the past that Gary Anderson recruited against Incarnate Word quite a bit. Uh, luckily, in the Jonathan Smith era, this is the first time Incarnate Word has come back up. And again, part of that is they offered early, he's blown up and, and has far exceeded what Incarnate Word traditionally recruits. That's two good commitments. Braylon Oliver is a transfer with four years to play for. He went to Louisville and chose Louisville in the class of 2021 over offers from Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Oklahoma, West Virginia. He had a number of big time offers and was seen as a top 40, top 50 safety in America, top 550 prospect in the country, really talented player. To give you an idea, top five. So he was number 550. Oregon State last year signed two top 500 prospects. In the three classes prior to that, they did not sign a single top 500 prospect. So for him to be at 550 means outside of last year's class, if he were a high school kid, you'd be arguing whether or not he was the headliner of this class if you got him coming out of high school. Last year, he probably would have been the third or fourth highest rated commitment in the entire class. At 550 this year, he's probably in the top three or four. Again, he's not because he's a transfer. He's not the number 550 high school prospect because he's not in high school anymore. But it kind of gives you an idea of how good that player is. In three of the last four recruiting cycles, he would have been among the class headliners. So a very talented player to bring in. And again, if you're going to get transfers, I like the idea of four to play four. I like the idea of three to play three or four to play three, I like multiple years because they have to learn a new system and they have to relearn a new system. And a lot of times when they transfer, particularly a guy like Oliver who transferred uh, and entered the transfer portal in August, he sat out a whole football year. So he almost needs a year potentially to get up to speed. Now, if he doesn't, fantastic. But if he does, 
It's not like a JC kid where he has two years left and you go, okay, well, that was his one year. Now he's got one more year left. So let's see what he can do. That's not the case here. He's got four years to play. So even if it takes him a year or two to get up to speed, you still have two more years with a transfer. He almost comes in like a traditional high school recruit in the sense that all he's really missing is a redshirt year. So very exciting to see that addition. Uh, Ryan Cooper, a very talented corner, the number five junior college corner in the country. There are years where that player has multiple power five offers when he's the number five corner in the country. There are years where he has a mixed bag of mid-major type offers, you know, group of five offers and, and power five offers. And this is a year where Cooper was primarily a group of five recruit, but they need depth in the defensive backfield. He's going to provide it. In last week's show, I, I made a point of saying this is a huge weekend coming in again last week heading into the Arizona State game that kind of everything was aligning for Oregon State to have a big weekend. They had big time O-linemen and D-linemen in town. They were going to potentially add talent member O-line, D-line, defensive backfield. That's what I kept hammering home that that's where they need to add talent. Here we are a week later and they added that talent at DB. They wanted two or three more defensive backs. They got two already which is great. You're checking your boxes. Now, I think the next step in this really successful weekend wave is going to be 2023 talent. And I think they could add a couple of 2023 prospects, but that really starts with Braden Dorman. Braden Dorman, the number 12 quarterback in the entire country in the class of 2023. He came into Oregon State. He came into last weekend's visit saying, Oregon State checks all of the boxes. I just need to see it in person. He went from his visit to Medford to spend time with family. He's actually got some family in Oregon for the holiday season. So he wasn't really in the mood to do a lengthy interview, but I have a pretty good relationship with him. So I said, hey, man, and it was true. I've got people kind of clamoring, trying to figure out. I got, had some people in my DMs on Twitter. I had some people that had emailed me. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show and, and providing feedback. By the way, folks, uh, one of the one of the things that was very loud over this past week was you need to get in touch with Dorman as soon as possible. So I tried to. Uh, he, again, wasn't necessarily willing to do a long interview, but I said, man, I got people clamoring. You got to get me something. You got to tell me how the visit went. And he said, well, I, I told you before it exceeded all my expectations. I just wanted to see it in or It checked all Oregon state already checked all the boxes. I just wanted to see it in person and I saw it in person and it exceeded all my expectations. I will not be taking any more visits and I'm going to be announcing a commitment soon. Bingo bango bongo that is phenomenal news if you're the oregon state beavers if you have a guy saying hey listen this checks all the boxes i just want to see it in person and literally 48 hours after he sees it in person he goes hey i'm shutting down my recruitment and i'll be announcing a decision soon that probably means barring something catastrophic here that you nailed your visit and and this is a kid again the number 12 quarterback in the country Braden dorman out of colorado the number one player in the state of colorado this is a big time big time recruit. We're talking top 10, 15 recruit in the history of the program, the number two quarterback in the history of the program behind only Derek Anderson and ahead of Sean Mannion. Now think about that. Oregon State's top two quarterback commits all time are Derek Anderson, that turned out really good, and Sean Mannion. 
also turned out very, very well. Go ahead and check the Pac-12 record books for Sean Mannion's name and see him near the top, at the top of a number of lists. So if he's sandwiched in between those guys and he can deliver on the hype, that is phenomenal. It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't set a commitment date, and I promise you he has not told me he's committing to Oregon State. So I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here. He hasn't told me. But what he has told me is enough for me to feel very, very, very confident that Oregon State is going to get a blue chip quarterback. And the other piece that that I had a chance to talk to him about a little bit is being just this football junkie and and wanting to bring talent with him wherever he goes. He wants to be a recruiter. He wants to be the leader of the program. If he goes to Oregon State, it would not shock me at all to hear him say something like, now I switch into recruiter mode or, you know, I want to get couple other four stars to come with me. He is that guy. He's obsessed with football. He loves football. Part of the attraction to Oregon State is he can see from an X's and O's standpoint, Coach Jonathan Smith, Coach Lingren, those guys know what they're doing. He sees that Coach Brian Wozniak is developing tight ends, that they're consistently bringing in multiple wide receivers, so he's going to have guys to throw to. The O-line is developed by Coach Mahalchek. Uh, Coach A.J. Stewart's doing a nice job, and and traditionally Oregon State for the last several years, obviously continuing a tradition that's decades long now, two, three decades long now, they're developing good running backs. All of the boxes are being checked here where you go, this offense has a chance to be dynamic. Imagine putting a top 10 or 15 quarterback in the country in that scheme. And I think what you see is potential for a real permanent turning point. It's always nice to have those turning points, be bowl eligible for a year. But what you're worried about is that it's a spike and that you're going to head back down. When you recruit at this level, when you potentially get a 2023 quarterback this early, you set yourself up to maintain that level of success, to be a perennial bowl team. And I'm telling you, you can have those hiccup years every once in a while. If you recruit in the bottom four of the Pac-12, you can have those hiccup years every once in a while where you're bowl eligible and you kind of spike. And people go, hey, great, great year for Oregon State or Washington State or Arizona, those schools that don't recruit traditionally outside the bottom four in the Pac-12. But it is really hard, really hard to sustain bowl-bound type success within your program year in, year out, unless you're recruiting at at least the mid-level of the Pac-12. And you get a guy like Braden Dorman a year early, a year before signing day, and he can be a peer recruiter, I think you have a chance to have one of your best classes ever, if it happens. And I think it potentially, excuse me, sets you up to have sustained success under Coach Jonathan Smith with a better recruiting hall than he's had ever before. If you're an Oregon State fan, the news, honestly, honestly, could not be much better. I am not blowing smoke. I'm not trying to hype things out because, you know, hype everything up because Oregon State's having a good year on the field. My job is recruiting. And I started turning the corner on this about 18 months ago. If you listen to this podcast and you've listened and read my writing for years, go back a long way. Now, it wasn't this podcast. It was previous podcast. I said, Gary Anderson's doing a terrible job of recruiting. Oregon State's going to really struggle. And Oregon State fans were furious with me, just absolutely livid. How could you even know that? You don't know. You can't predict the future. And there were some there were some good players along the way, but they didn't recruit very well. They just they just kind of didn't recruit well enough to be good. And so they were a bottom two or bottom three team in the Pac-12 every year, year in, year out with Gary Anderson. And then Coach Smith got there. 
And he never recruiting plan. He kept Gary Anderson's guys. And his first year looked like a mess and they didn't really trust it. And in year two, they started to overhaul things. And one of those recruiting guys moved on. And I think the process got streamlined. I think they did a better job. They got a couple more talented guys. They got some smart transfers to plug and play to raise the level across the board, to raise the depth of the program. Then they won a few more games. And so a few more kids were interested. And because the facilities were better and the process was better and the pitch was better and they streamlined things, they got a little bit better guy. Year three, started winning some more games. Year four, now they're bowl eligible. And suddenly, we're seeing four-star guys not only interested, but potentially committing and not not just any four-star guy, but a blue-chip elite quarterback. It takes time. But the message that I've given has always been consistent with Oregon State. I always have told you about two years before that things are good, things are going bad. Things are going bad, bad, bad. Things are getting a lot better. They're going to be pretty good. This is the year that I said they'd be pretty good. I think things are going to be sustained this level as long as next year is not a a collapse year because next year is a little bit of a question because the recruiting results have lagged a little bit. So they need to have another year kind of where they overperform recruiting. And then after that, it does look like they have sustainable success year in, year out with the way they're recruiting. If you're an Oregon State fan, it's time to be thrilled because this is, it's not mission accomplished. It's not mission accomplished. You haven't won a Pac-12 title. You haven't won a national championship. You haven't won a bowl game. Haven't made a bowl game yet. I mean, you've been eligible, but haven't, haven't made one yet. So it's not mission accomplished, but it's clearly, clearly step in the right direction, not just on the field, but a major step forward in recruiting. A, we can beat USC for recruits. We can beat Washington for recruits. We can go toe-to-toe with Oregon and potentially beat Oregon for recruits. That is what is starting. We're starting to see that that is becoming more realistic. And that's a really good thing for Oregon State fans. So Beaver Nation, it's going great on the field. I'm telling you, it's going wonderful off the field. Multiple commitments incoming in the next few weeks. And I I don't know when they'll come. I don't know if we'll get one on Thanksgiving or the day after or this weekend or if it's going to be a week or two or three. But everything I'm hearing, everything I'm hearing from other recruits is there are more commitments coming. Kids don't usually say that unless they know. And then I say, is there one? And it's, nope. Is there two? Nope. So that tells me there are potentially three, four, five, I don't know, more commitments out there. There are a number of commitments coming for Oregon State. Time to get excited. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to break down the Oregon Ducks football recruiting class. 3D commitments this month. They just got blown out by Utah. Is it time to panic? Are things okay? Hold on to your hats, people. Uh, no, I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll break it down. But it's, I don't know if it's panic time. I know, I, know I, I, I want to tease it that way. But I feel guilty because Oregon still has the number 10 recruiting class in the nation. So I'll give you the negative side of things and also give you the positive, more long-term outlook for the Oregon Ducks. The sky is falling. That is what some Oregon Ducks fans are feeling after two 
blue chip wide receivers decommitted earlier in this month. First, Nicholas Anderson to Oklahoma, then Isaiah Satanga to Arkansas. And then this week, Percy Lewis, the number one offensive lineman in the country in the junior college ranks, six foot eight, 360 pounds, announced his decommitment from Oregon. That's three decommitments in a month, obviously coming just a few days after Oregon was blown out by Utah, bouncing them out of the college football playoffs. So Oregon Duck fan, a little bit on edge. So I'll give you a little perspective. Let's take a step back. Mario Cristobal has been the head coach of the Oregon Ducks. Well, he's been the head coach as a recruiter, where he's been the lead recruiter for four recruiting cycles. In those four recruiting cycles, Oregon has averaged five, one, two, three, four, five decommitments every year. Now, one year there was seven, one year there was four, one year there was five. Entering this month, Oregon had one decommitment in the entire 2022 recruiting cycle. They were four decommitments short of their average. So, three decommitments in a month. Yes, they're clumped together. Yeah, that's not the best news. But Oregon still only has four decommitments for the 2022 recruiting cycle, which is one fewer than their average. This is not a mass exodus. This is not a watching your your future or your program jump off the boat and give up. That's not what's happening. It's not what's happening. They're clumped together a little bit, so that may surprise some people. But in terms of numbers, in terms of should I panic, Oregon actually so far is below the average for number of decommitments they've experienced per season with Mario Cristobal as the head coach. That's got to make you feel better, right? Because if you're going, oh man, 3D commitments this month, one of them was the best junior college offensive lineman in the country, and two blue chip wide receivers, and Micah Pittman transferred, and oh, we lost to Utah. What, what is happening? It's like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Micah Pittman wasn't getting the ball a ton. Oregon's got a number of elite freshman wide receivers. And then they've got a collection of very, very, very talented high school seniors that are already committed that are coming in, including Tatario McMillan, who might be one of the best two or three receivers in the country. And he might be the best wide receiver recruit Oregon has ever brought in. Yes, over Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton. Oregon's running a run-based offense right now. It's not very appealing to wide receivers. If you or I were a wide receiver right now, and we were a possession receiver like Micah Pittman, who probably needed six, seven, eight touches a game to get to 100 yards and a score, he's not a guy who's going to house a slant. He's not that guy. He's a possession receiver and a very good one. But he needs volume. He needs volume. So when he's in this offense and he's going, yeah, it's nice to run the short route and the slant and the out and whatever, and I'll, I'll end the game with four catches for 42 yards. Great. That does not make an NFL wide receiver. And he's seeing his brother having a very successful second year, Michael Pittman Jr., with the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm sure his brother's saying, man, you got to get your volume up. 
we got to have some sort of college highlight. We got to have some sort of film that we could show to people. You got to have some sort of result to pair with your combine numbers when you get there, when you get to your pro day, to show NFL teams you can play. So I'm not surprised Micah Pittman moves on. I'm not surprised Oregon had a couple of wide receiver decommits. They are potentially going to bring in McMillan. They've already got Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, and Dante Thornton, who are all very talented. That doesn't even mention Isaiah Brevard, who's an Under Armour All-American true freshman this year on the roster, who looks very much like they're red shirt. he's redshirting. They're bringing in Tatario McMillan, the highest-rated wide receiver in program history. They're very, very, very likely to get Westview High School wide receiver Darius Clemens, who was invited to both the Adidas All-American Bowl and the Under Armour All-American game. So multiple All-Americans that are true freshmen or former, you know, Army All-American Bowl, Adidas All-American Bowl, Under Armour All-American game selections. Then you're bringing in new guys who are All-Americans. So yeah, you have a couple of decommitments because everybody's going, there aren't enough touches to go around. So losing wide receivers is not the most damaging thing in the world. It's not ideal, but if you replace them with Darius Clemens and you still got an outside shot with five-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman, I don't know how much of a loss you're really experiencing. Percy Lewis, six foot eight, 360 pounds, that's a bummer. He's probably a guard. Kind of like Male Isala Omave Laulu, who is also a gigantic body who they moved to guard. He just doesn't move quite well enough to be a left tackle or right tackle at the next level. So you probably lost a guard. And that's not great. It's not. But if you say, okay, well, we average 5D commitments a year, and now we're at 4, suddenly the sky doesn't seem like it's falling. Two of your recent D commitments came at position the position you're best positioned, to lose a couple guys. And one is an offensive lineman, and it hurts, but he's a three-star junior college offensive lineman. Oregon is still in the mix for Cyrus Moss, who's a borderline five-star edge rusher. Oregon is still in the mix for Darius Clemens, an all-American wide receiver. Oregon is still in the mix for five-star wide receiver Kevin Coleman. And Oregon is still number one in the Pac-12 conference for the fourth straight year in terms of recruiting rankings and number 10 in the nation. Keep in mind, Mario Cristobal, this is his fourth year. He would finish with the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12 for four straight years if, if Oregon hangs on to the number one spot. Stanford right now is at number 15. Prior to Mario Cristobal, being the head coach, Oregon had never finished with the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12 and never had a consensus top 10 recruiting class. They had a year where I believe 24-7 sports had them 11, Rivals had them 8 or 9, and ESPN had them, I think, outside the top 10 in 2011 under Chip. But they never had a consensus where ESPN rivals and 24-7 sports or scout, if you go all the way back through history, all had them as a top 10 recruiting class. They've never done it, ever. Mario Cristobal did it last year. I think he did it one other year where there was a consensus. I know he had top 10 classes, but I don't know if it was a consensus. And he might do it again this year. So no, the sky's not falling. You've got a very good, very young football team. You lost the game you shouldn't have. At least not the way they lost it. You can lose to Utah. You don't necessarily consider it a game you ha- you, you should have won. 
but you shouldn't have gotten blown out. So that's disappointing. Micah Pittman moves on. There weren't a lot of touches. I get it. Is it disappointing? Sure. What's their deepest position right now? Wide receiver. Oh, makes sense. Oh, wide receivers are deepest position and they've got a whole bunch of freshmen coming up who are going to play a ton. Oh, and they got a couple decommitments at wide receiver. Oh, makes sense. Percy Lewis is a disappointing one, but you're going to lose when you recruit cross-country commitments. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Hanging on to recruits from across the country is tougher. And this year, the degree of difficulty in recruiting for Oregon was heightened. Why? Because California, Texas, and Florida are the three major producers of talent for high school or high school football talent, college football prospects. Those are the big three. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, they're kind of the next tier. But the big three, year in, year out, are California, Texas, and Florida. This year, Texas has four times as many blue chip recruits as California. That means California is very, very down. What does Oregon do? Well, they can't rely on Oregon talent. There aren't enough four-star prospects. Oregon recruits at a higher level than that. Even Oregon State only took one or two in-state kids this year. Washington doesn't have the talent they traditionally have. Nevada, Colorado, Montana, Hawaii, they're not major producers, and these aren't particular years where you feel great about the talent that is coming out of those states. So Oregon had to go to Texas and knew going to Texas, going to Mississippi in the junior college ranks for a guy like Percy Lewis, going to Missouri to try to recruit Kevin Coleman. Those were tough uphill battles. And they were battles that potentially, even if they won, could lead to kids getting cold feet and decommitting. Oregon knew that. It was baked into this recruiting class from the beginning. I said a year ago, Before the ink was dry on the 2021 class, 2022 is going to feel like a little downturn for Oregon. There's not enough California talent. They have to go cross-country to get commitments, and some of those guys are going to decommit. I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, no shot at 24-7. That's not what I mean. I, I don't, it's not like I can see the future. This stuff just tends to fall along pretty standard lines. How many decommitments does Oregon get roughly every year? Five. How many do they have going into November? One. Well, something's going to give. Oregon's probably going to have decommitments. If you've listened back three, four episodes ago, I was saying, Oregon's probably going to have some decommitments. Here we are. Oregon's going to get a lot of guys from Texas. Take a look at this recruiting class. Here we are. It's going to be tight down the stretch. Because Kelvin Banks is going to be pushed to stay in Texas because he's a five-star recruit out of Texas. Kevin Coleman out of Missouri is going to get pulled to stay in SEC country. Remember, Missouri's in the SEC now. And stay in Big 12 country. Here we are. This is what happens. And so take heart in the fact that, yeah, this is maybe a little bit of a down year for Mario. This might be his fourth best class in four meaning it's like the number six or seven recruiting class all time for Oregon. And then as long as Mario stays, as long as Moorhead stays, as long as DeRuiter stays, the 2023 class, I've predicted, the writing's on the wall based on the West Coast talent, the writing is on the wall based on the energy of 2023's excited about Oregon. That will be the best class in their program's history. Or at the very least, push very hard for it. Last year's class was stellar. The 2021 class was stellar. The 2020 class was an all-timer. 
Oregon will at the least will be going into November as long as Cristobal's there, as long as Deruder's there, as long as Moorhead's there, talking about the fact that it's going to come down to the wire and they are pushing. They are pushing hard to have the best class in program history. The writing's on the wall. So when it hits, when it happens, everybody's disappointed. 3D commitments this month. Well, I told you that was coming like a month ago. Micah Pittman transferred. I think if you've been paying attention to this team, you know guys aren't getting touches, so something had to give. They have too many wide receivers. Again, if you listen to the show, I told you, there's too many wide receiver commitments. There's not enough balls to go around. Here we are. Oregon, a year ago, I told people, and I've told people throughout this recruiting cycle, this is not going to be Mario's best class. Not even going to be close, and it's going to feel like a little bit of a disappointment because he seems to just ascend, 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 ascend in recruiting. And so when he doesn't ascend, when it's like, oh, he took a half a step back, people go, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. It's the number 10 class in the country. It's the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12 in a year where West Coast talent is almost historically down. Almost historically down. Guess what? 2023, almost historically up. Oregon will capitalize. It's all going to be okay. Even if Kelvin Banks decommits. And he might. Texas is still in the mix. I know he told me Texas A&M is out of it. I know that's music to Oregon fans' ears. I'll believe it when I see it. Feel the same way about Kevin Coleman's recruitment. I know people think Oregon, you know, he told me Oregon's his dream school. He also has tweeted that he's a package deal with three other prospects, none of whom are being recruited by Oregon. So even if he verbally commits, I'll believe it when he signs on the dotted line. I'll believe it when I see it. Oregon, the last few years coming into the early signing period, and we're less than a month away because it's December. The early signing period's in December. We've known who was going to be here. You know, we've known for Oregon State who's going to be here. We've known what the classes were going to be. No mystery. No big additions. Maybe watch one guy. Okay, we've got to watch Justin Flo on signing day. That's about it. A couple, couple years ago now, three years ago, Kayvon Thibodeau on signing day. Last year, everybody knew where everybody was going. No major surprises. No major shockers. Johnny Wilson decommitted and flipped to Arizona State two years ago. Everybody knew it was coming. Everybody wrote about it before it happened. This year's going to have some surprises. Oregon might have a surprise visitor late. Oregon might get surprise commitments late. Oregon might have surprise decommitments late. There's a little more drama in this year. I think it's going to be fun. I think this last month is going to be strap in because there's going to be more subscriber exclusive content on Oregon Live trying to follow all this stuff. I think Oregon State is surging at the right time. I think this is going to be a very, very interesting month on the recruiting trail. We've already seen the start of it. Braylon Oliver, Ryan Cooper commit to Oregon State. Oregon loses their third commitment this month. Fireworks are beginning. Please tune in Friday at noon on the CW to listen to, well, to watch, I'm not the headliner, to watch the 6A state semifinals. We've got Tualatin and West Lynn, Jesuit Central Catholic in a Holy War matchup. I will be doing the color commentary. Ryan Buckley of 1080 The Fan will be your play-by-play guy. AJ McCord, the 1080 anchor, the 1080 host, and Coin6 anchor will be your sideline reporter. Again, really looking forward to this opportunity and really excited 
for these high school athletes to get the exposure they deserve after a long, long journey to get to this final four. So very, very exciting. Tune into that. Thank you for listening to The Recruiting Trail. I am your host, Andrew Nemec of the Oregonian Oregon Live. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Listen, we're talking four and five-star prospects, but let's, let's make this a five-star podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you.